Pastor Xavier Reese and the ever-guiding hand of God. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord Yahweh, and he delights in his ways. Each of us have experienced a visit by God, be it as we are guided, as we're looking for a job, as we're seeking a home, and things work out, and we don't realize how much God plays in it, and then after the fact, we look back and we say, man, that was God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Some of the most difficult but common aspects of life are broken promises. In fact, we've learned to accept them, sometimes even expect them. But there is an exception, and that's when God makes a promise. Today, as we venture back to the Old Testament book of Genesis, Pastor Xavier points out the importance of waiting on God to fulfill what He has spoken. Let's turn to chapter 18 for today's study, Isaac's birth on schedule. After Abram had been in the land for 10 years, he had not yet received the promise of God. Sarah attempted, as you know, to help God out, gave Hagar to uh, Abraham, and he was 86 when Ishmael was born. The next time God speaks to Abram is in chapter 17, verse 1, when he is 99 years of age, 13 years after the carnal effort to fulfill the promise for God. And Yahweh announced himself to Abraham, or there Abram first, Almighty God, El Shaddai, and he is to walk before him blameless. A reminder of his failure, a warning. Yahweh in that chapter 17 changes the name of Abram, father, exalted father, to Abraham, father of multitudes, changes Sarai's name to Sarah. And it's almost as drawing a line between the old life of the flesh and the new life of the spirit to walk in. And so Yahweh confirms the covenant through the rite of circumcision, the token, the seal of the covenant for the people of God. A cutting away of the flesh life, that part of the body that really caused the problem, tried to fulfill what God can only fulfill, that you would no longer depend on yourself. And so God rejected Abraham's petition that Ishmael might live forever. And he said, no, my covenant and my promise is through Isaac, who will be born through Sarah, chapter 17, verse 17 to 21. Very specific. Now our text occurs only a month, two maybe, at the most three months after Abraham is presented in chapter 17, age 99. Because when we see him in 21, he's 100 years old. So if he was 99 in the previous chapter, and you have nine months in the womb, that only leaves you one to three months left before he's 100. So the timetable is easy to figure out. The appearance here of Yahweh to announce the birth of Isaac to Abraham is ascribed to us through a threefold movement. Let me read here. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth tree of Manri, and he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. And he said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. 
Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread and you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. And so Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender good calf, and gave it to the young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, where is Sarah your wife? He said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being also old? And the Lord said to Abram, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child I am old is anything too hard for the Lord at the point of time I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son but Sarah denied it saying I did not laugh for she was afraid and he said no but you did laugh the appearance of Yahweh to announce the birth of Ishmael is as follows. Verse 1 through 3, the personal visit of God to Abraham. Second, verse 4 through 8, the personal hospitality offered by Abraham. And lastly, verse 9 through 15, the personal revelation of the birth of Isaac to Abraham. Notice the personal visit of God to Abraham in these first three verses. The manner of the appearance is found in verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham, Yahweh. He appeared to him in chapter 17, verse 1, but now it's in a different form. This is a physical form. The title, as you know, of the word Lord, all capital letters, is the word Yahweh, the covenant God, distinct from just G-O-D, Elohim, the creator. The declaration that Yahweh appeared is for the reader's information here. Abraham doesn't know this. This is for you and I as we are reading. This is the second Christophany, the appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament prior to the incarnation. The first one, as we saw, was the angel of the Lord with Hagar. I don't believe that um, Melchizedek is a Christophany. I believe he's a type. And that's why I believe this is the second Christophany in Scripture. Now, Notice the location of the appearance to Abram, or Abraham at this point, is by the terebinth tree of Mamre. The first time it is mentioned is when Abraham moved to Hebron after he separated from Lot, and God promised the land and that he would multiply his descendants the dust of the earth in Genesis 13, 18. The man of faith is residing in the exact same place, still waiting for the promise of God. The occasion took place, notice, as Abraham was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. The heat of the day is burying the heat of the midday. Out in the desert there, it gets pretty hot. He was abiding in the promised land. He was waiting for God's fulfillment of promise, 
possibly, maybe meditating even on that very promise as we see in Scripture often that happened and God is ministering. And maybe dozing off, all of a sudden, his eyes opened up from that doze, and all of a sudden, the method of the greeting is given to us in verse 2. He lifted up his eyes, he looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. He noted these three men. All of a sudden, the heat of the day. And you know how when you look at the heat, sometimes you see like a little mirage, you look like water, and you don't know what. And maybe, you know, he's almost 100 years old. You know? The suddenness of their appearing perhaps gave Abraham a suspicion of a special visitors here. Maybe even divine. But he's, he doesn't know. This information in verse 1 is for you and I as we read it. Now, notice Abraham seeing them. He ran from the tent door to meet them, and he bowed himself to the ground. As he's running towards them, he's indicating that of his peaceful intent to welcome them. He bows in a most humble and respectful greeting to them, and the word bow simply means to prostrate oneself. It is used of bowing to a superior in homage. It is used to bow before false gods, before angels. The word is used also to bow formally in a formal respect to an equal. So the context is going to dictate to who this bowing is for. In fact, this very word is translated worship in the worship of Yahweh. But at this point in this context, there's no understanding that he understands who this is. Now, there are some who believe that Abraham knew that it was Yahweh at this point. But as we move on in the narrative, in the dialogue, we will see that the revelation is progressive. Even as you and I, at times, we have no idea God is dealing with us. And we think, ah, oh, just that was a good idea, X. That's not bad. And then I find out it was God. Notice in verse 3, the meekness of the welcoming words. Abraham also addressed the three men with great respect. The phrase that came from his mouth was, my Lord. The word is Adonai, and it's used for God in the Old Testament, equivalent to the New Testament, kurios, master. The word is also used for man in a respect such as the word sir. The phrase is in the singular, addressing the one of the three. So he's the more prominent one. But he's still conscious of all three present. It doesn't necessarily mean that he knew it was Yahweh. There's no indication in the text itself. Now, notice the privilege of offering hospitality was then expressed by Abraham. Uh, he makes himself out to be blessed, to have them. If I have now found favor in your sight. It was a privilege for him. We go, oh, are they coming over again? Oh. <laughs> tell, them, tell them we're not home. We're not home. We're not home. The word favor means grace. It's the same word that is used in Noah when he found grace before the eyes of the Lord in Genesis 6-8. Abraham implored them to accept his hospitality. Listen to his words. Do not pass on by your servant. And the word servant, there is a word for a slave servant. The same word that is used prophetically for Canaan who would be the servant of Shem in Genesis 9-26. He's the father of all nations to be. He's the father of faith. And he has not lost the attitude of who he is. He's a servant. It's so easy to lose sight of that as Christians, especially in ministry. Often that perspective is lost by those who become very famous, very popular, and they think that they're God's gift to the earth. Abraham, to this point, did not appear to know that it was Yahweh. 
He merely addresses the prominent one as my Lord in a former respect, and Abraham also is including the other two visitors. And so the revelation, as we'll see, is progressive. You remember that God visited Pharaoh in a dream, revealing to him the famine to come, but he didn't know it was God. His soothsayers couldn't tell him until Joseph was brought from the prison, and Joseph said, this is what God has revealed to you, and the dream is certain because it's been twice. The Bible is very clear that angels are ministering spirits to the earth of salvation. As you know, in Acts chapter 5, 19 to 20, Peter and other apostles were put in jail because they were preaching, and the angel of the Lord came open the prison door and told them to go preach in the temple. And when they came to check the cell, no one was there. The guy went out to the temple and said, hey, they're on the temple. At another occasion, Peter was in jail there, uh, Acts 12, about 7 to 10, and um, James had just been killed by the sword, and he was going to be brought and executed, and an angel came, and his chains fell off, and he had four guards next to him. They were asleep, and he thought it was a vision until he was completely out of the, 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 the quarters there. And God uses many times angels. Now, Hebrews 1.14, if you remember, says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Do not forget to entertain angels or strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels, Hebrews 13, 2. And I'm sure that that comment is addressed here in other portions. I don't know, but what I have been visited by an angel. I can't know, tell you for sure. But if they are ministering spirits, I just wonder how often and how many times we have been delivered, saved, or helped by God's messengers, and we're totally ignorant of it. We've all encountered some occasion where, where we say, well, you know, I think I'll just get off the freeway and I'll go down Foothill. And as we turn the radio and everything, we find out there's been a horrific wreck, and we, we go, man, I would have been right there. And it was God thinking it was me. We don't know. Or you crash your car and you know it's all mangled up and the cop comes out and says, well, where's the dead body? He said, there's no dead body, I'm the one. He goes, man, and they know that there's no way. Each of us have experienced a visit by God, much like Abraham, be it in thought, as I said earlier, thinking that it was us, only to later find out that it was God. Be it as we are guided, as we're looking for a job, as we're seeking a home, and things work out, and, and, and we don't realize how much God plays in it, and then after the fact, we look back and we say, man, that was God. And sometimes God works, and we don't know, and we'll never know until we get there. Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord Yahweh, and he delights in his ways. I expect God to direct and guide me. I expect God to bless me. I expect and count on God to protect me. The personal visit of God to Abraham was at first undetected. Now, notice he moves to the personal hospitality offered by Abram, verse 4 through 8. In verse 4 through 5, the particulars of common hospitality are mentioned. Abram says, please, let a little water uh, be brought and wash your feet. Uh, the individuals, you know, would travel in, in, in those areas. It would be dirt, the roads, and they would go across fields and rivers and whatever, and you would get mud and dust and 
brush and everything else that you would step on. Uh, they didn't wear combat boots. They had sandals, open toe. So your feet would look pretty grungy. Um, it would be a, a kind of refreshment to you to just clean your feet, you know. They're, 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 they're being, you've been walking all day, whatever, and, and it's just a refreshing thing. Now, the responsibility usually fell to the lowest of slaves. But if the master had no slave, then he would do it. Now, we're not told here, but I have an idea, and it's my personal opinion, that probably Abraham did this chore. He washed their feet. Abraham also said in verse 4 there, and rest yourself under the tree. This would cause them to relax from their long journey. The shade of the tree would provide relief from comfort from the heat of the day, probably noon, a little bit after noon. Uh, they would be joined with Abraham in fellowship. Now Abraham also then said, and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. Abraham himself acts as a servant. I will bring indicative of the fellowship that's going on between the three and Abraham. Bread being the most common staple of food, unleavened bread, flat pita bread of many of the uh, Arab Bedouin tribes, and their physical strength would be replenished. It is amazing when you've gone all day and you burn all that energy that just a little food or fruit or something, how it can refresh you. It's just like putting gas in your car now. Now you've got, or you charge up your batteries. And so Abram says, after that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They would continue on their journey being revitalized, but notice, since they had chosen the tent of Abraham to visit, he, he's, he, he's, he's progressing. He's being pushed to ponder, who are these guys? And they accept and they said, do as you have said. Now, when you get to verse 6 through 8, you have the preparation of the common meal that's recorded for us. Abraham first went to Sarah. He just runs in there. He hurries into the tent. Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes, about two gallons of fine flour. It appears that Abraham now again gradually is recognizing that these guys are not ordinary guys. But it still doesn't show in the text that he's positive about it. Abraham then chose a calf to prepare. He ran to the herd. He took a tender and good calf. The person who's choosing the calf reveals again the importance of the visitors. The calf would be a bit extravagant for these three men. Abraham gave it to the young man and hastened him to prepare to dress it. Now notice in verse 8, Abraham serves his visitors then. He took butter, milk, and the calf which he had prepared, and he sets it before him. The reference to butter is to curds, a kind of yogurt. Milk, sour milk. The entire table was set by Abraham for his guests. He is the servant here. The elaborate meal indicates Abraham was growing in a suspicion that these men were not ordinary men. It's a very progressive thing, as often it happens with you and I. And so Abraham stood by them under the tree. Listen, as they ate, underline that, Abraham stood ready to serve their every need. The fact that Abraham did not eat with the guests is again probably another indication that Abraham was beginning to think they were superior to him. He doesn't eat with them. 
when Tony and I went to Bulgaria around 1991, we were humbled at times as we went to different places we were ministering, and the people would be so gracious to us. Um, in this one particular community, Gypsy community that we went to, we knew that they were providing for us the best and probably all they had of food. And for us to deny and reject it would be very offensive. And it's humbling. This type of hospitality is the usual case other places. We don't understand any of that in America. One of the things that used to blow my dad's mind when he first came from Mexico in the uh, 50s is how anybody could open the door, answer the door to a knock, and allow a person to stand outside and close the door before them or to allow them to come in your home and not ask them to sit down and offer them something to drink or to eat. Because that's the first thing you do. You would never open the door and just shut the door. You, 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 it's courtesy to invite someone in. You need something to drink. You got to have a seat and all that. We're real informal. And he used to go postal. He couldn't believe it. The qualifications for a bishop are several. And one of them is being hospitable. 1 Timothy 3, 2 says a bishop then must be blameless, a husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. The elders, the deacons, the overseers, they should be hospitable, friendly, people who eat with the people, people who fellowship, people who dwell among the people, that they have each other over. Certainly, depending on the size of the church, not everybody can have everybody over, but there should be a mingling, a co-mingling with us in our homes and in our relationship come out of the fellowship of the church. Titus 1, 7 through 8, for the bishop must be blameless, the steward of God, not self-willed, not quick temper, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy of money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-control. The blessing of hospitality to traveling missionaries was a key witness of love in the early church. In fact, um, John the Beloved in his third epistle, only one chapter, says this in 3 John chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well because they went forth for his name's sake, meaning Jesus, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such and we may become fellow workers for the truth. And so the people that were going out and pre preaching Christ, they didn't beg for the Gentiles. They didn't preach the gospel and then take a big offering. God says, from the church comes together, take a collection once a week, that's it. But don't beg for people who are non-believers. Here you're telling them how rich God is and how God can do anything, and you're, you're telling them that you need money. The Bible says we are to be hospital to one another. Listen to Romans 12, 9 through 13. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patience in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of being a church family that is hospitable. And you can pick up a copy of today's encouraging study, Isaac's Birth, on schedule. It's available on CD for just $4. Now be sure and pass a copy of these truths along to someone in your church or Bible study. 
and the title to ask for once again is Isaac's Birth on Schedule, or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107, or call 800-926-1485 to place your order by phone. Right now, Pastor Xavier has joined us in studio to share a few words. Yes, uh, we would encourage everyone who listens to the program. I know that it's difficult at times, you're in your car, you're at work, but um, one time or another that you would be able to contact us because there's no other way that we can know if God is using these programs unless you communicate that to us. Um, We announce it. We will give you opportunity by way of letter, by email, different things that you let us know if God is using it. So this way we are the best of stewards because if we are fishing in a place where there's no bites, then we're being bad stewards of God's money. So we would encourage you to let us know if God is truly uh, using these studies. Thank you very much. God bless you. Aaron, Tell them again how they can reach us. Well, Pastor Xavier, they can write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or they can go online to calvarychapelpasadena.com and simply use the Contact Us feature to send an email. That's calvarychapelpasadena.com. We hope to hear from you soon. And it's always helpful when you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Is anything impossible for God? That's our topic when we join Pastor Xavier Reese right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 